So poor good wife. The good wife really likes sex, like, and it likes fucking, and it likes thinking about fucking. But like, alas, it's on CBS. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> like, so uh, they don't. So all their stuff has to be like innuendo. I do like to think, like, highlight season, uh, like, just this particular episode. Something that I think is really cool and, like, interesting about this episode is that it's one of the sexiest sex scenes I've seen where, like, no one's naked. everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to doing a bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing the first four seasons of CBS's riveting legal political drama, The Good Wife. Our protagonist, Alicia Florek, is the wife of a state's attorney who returns to her own law career after her husband is arrested on corruption charges. Throughout the series, we deal with the nuances of Alicia's work life, her marriage, and the dynamics of her new home life. The Good Wife is considered by many critics to be network television's last great drama. So what did we think of The Good Wife, and how does this series hold up 10 years after its debut? Stay tuned. Okay, everyone, here are some critical details about The Good Wife. It is a legal drama, a political drama, as we've said. It was created by Robert King and Michelle King, and it was released September 22nd, 2009, and it ran all the way through May 8th, 2016. It aired on CBS for seven seasons and a total of 156 episodes. So definitely what we consider a juggernaut. Um, the show stars Juliana Margulies as Alicia Florek, um, Matt Zucri as Carrie Agus, Archie Punjabi as Kalinda Sharma, Graham Phillips as Zach Florek, Alicia's son, Mackenzie Vega as Grace Florek, Alicia's daughter, Josh Charles as Will Gardner, aka The One, <laughs> Christine Baranski as Diane Lockhart, one of the managing partners at Alicia's new firm, Mary Beth Peel as Jackie Florek, Alicia's mother-in-law, Chris Noth as Peter Florek, Alicia's... <sighs> husband mike coulter as lamond bishop and alan cumming as eli gold so these are our major players seasons one through seven 
let's uh let's jump right into this because this show um is a show I hadn't watched before we suggested this season, but man, did it leave an impression. <laughs> Let's get into right. it. Right. That's right. You had <laughs> not seen this show before. And I was like, you haven't seen a little good one? <laughs> like a psycho. Um, but apparently I was one of the few people that had never seen it. So that was like a legitimate uh, response because <laughs> apparently this show had a huge impact on a lot of people. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love this show. I watched it. So CBS is a weird network because CBS is basically where all like the propaganda shows go. It's like all all the sort of like American imperialist propaganda, um, mindless procedural shows end up on CBS. Um, CBS is for old people. That's who watches CBS, like the actual network. So The Good Wife was like <laughs> a weird show for CBS in that like it was this law procedural, but it was this law procedural that was doing so much more. And it sort of flew in under the radar. And I, and you know, I know I said to you, How have you not seen it? But it makes sense because. I think the people who would have like really, really, really ended up enjoying this show would never encounter it because like they don't watch CBS. Um, you know, that's what I exactly mean? what it is. Like everything you just said, because I didn't watch CBS for that specific reason. I knew they made shows for mid thirties and up, which I was not at the time. And um, if you weren't like, you know, Gen X and older, you had no business watching CBS. Right, like, CBS is for, like, that's, like, what they leave on in the nursing home to, like, entertain people. Like, that. that's what CBS does. <laughs> like, and that's no shade on them, but, like, that's its purpose. But you, but then, like, you have The Good Wife. The Good Wife, during its entire run on CBS, came in as, like, with consistently low numbers. Consistently. Like, it was the lowest watched show on the network out of all their shows the good wife had like the least viewers but it stayed on for so long because um good wife was constantly getting uh emmy nominations constantly and consistently junia it was always getting writing nominations at the emmys juliana margulies was always getting nominated for best actress so because it had so much award buzz around it cbs mm. kept it on network um, and because critics liked it, CBS kept it on network. But had it been, like, another show, like, it would have been totally... It would have been axed way earlier. It and makes then, sense, though, that the numbers were so low because, like you said, it was different than any other show on that network. So if those shows are popular, clearly the people who watch them wouldn't be into The Good Wife. It has so much that's going on on its mind, but then it's also, like, a law procedural, but then it's also doing this, like, criminal minds thing where, like, like ripped from the headline episodes. But even now, like, re-watching it, I can tell which ones are sort of, um, are ripped from the headline episodes. I can still tell which ones those are, but only because I remember that specific news story from that time. Not because mm -hmm. the show makes it obvious, 
um, in the way that I think a criminal minds does. There are other shows that were kind of like the good wife as well, that, um, numbers weren't that high or numbers fluctuated, but they kept them on because they were crowd favorites or they were constantly nominated. In our family season, we talked about Lincoln Heights, which was one of those shows. Um, it didn't win until that final season, right? But it was constantly nominated. Right. Well, I think Juliana Margulies won a couple of times. The show came out around the time like of the Elliot Spitzer thing. And that's exactly what the pilot is, right? It's uh it's like the Elliot Spitzer went out on his wife with all these like sex workers. And um and then that's and then that's this this show as well. Let's jump into the first season. Let's talk a bit about this pilot. This is this is another show that has like a, a perfect pilot. It does. You know how I feel about pilots. So Alicia Flork, it opens when she is standing by her man like a good wasp while he is giving a press conference to talk about um, charges brought against him for corruption because he is accused of using the money that was uh, given to him by his constituents to solicit prostitutes, you know, of which he saw many um, while he was being unfaithful to his wife. The information got out, he's being put on blast, and he's headed to prison. It's focusing on him, obviously, he's talking. He is he is at the epicenter of this, this scandal, but the, the pilot also does an amazing job, even in that specific frame, of focusing on her emotional state without Alicia having to say a word. She's standing by her husband, looking terrified, looking mortified and humiliated, and she sees a loose thread on the sleeve of his jacket, and like the good wife she is, her instinct is to groom him and take the loose thread off of him so that he so that he looks good but she doesn't get a chance to and i think that sets a tone for the entire show um that metaphor of you can't make him look good anymore um sets a tone for the entire show because throughout peter does things or things that he did resurface where um alicia realizes that this marriage is so much bigger than her just being a good wife um, he needs to be a good man. He needs to be a good husband. And so that kind of sets a tone for where we're going in that first season and the journey that Alicia has to get through. I thought the pilot was so, so, so well done. And then there's that. And then there's obviously that um, that iconic, or at least to me, iconic um, slap in the hallway, right? Oh, I love um, it. But like the way I always read it is like she slaps Peter, but like it's also like she's slapping herself a bit you know what yes. I mean like waking like in terms of like you know wake up bitch like you use in in terms of like and that also sets it because of the tone I think for the whole series and that it's all about her sort of waking herself up trying to steer her life back right uh, the show's filled with many many rude awakenings for alicia i'm not sure they all had the desired effect but you do see her making constant growth in a direction of you know this idealized life that i had with peter isn't what i thought it was what's my next move 
So let's get into season one. Because this is um, a, a law procedural as well as a political show, we're going to be doing it a little bit different, somewhere between our regular episodes and episodes like maybe our Malcolm in the Middle episode, where we discuss favorite episodes and relationships between characters from season to season. So let's jump into that first season, which was 23 episodes long. Yeah, It's a, it's, it's a, it's a heavy one. First, I'll, I'll start off with my my standout episodes, and and you know we can go over yours as well before we talk about anything. Um, if you're going to you know hop, skip, and jump around, I highly recommend episode one, the pilot, episode two, stripped, episode four, fixed, episode seven, unorthodox, episode sixteen, fleas, episode eighteen, doubt, and episode twenty two, hybristophilia. Ooh, those are all good ones. Also, I would personally recommend episode 15, Bang. Oh my gosh. Episode 16, Fleas. Episode 17, Heart. Episode 19, Boom. And then episode 20, Mock. I know it sounds like a lot, you guys, but the episodes on this series, on this season and the series in general, are actually very, very, very strong. I don't feel like they put a lot of, or really any filler material in throughout the seasons. And I think the fact that it is a law procedure on top of being a political drama helps with that because we meet um, different guest characters every episode. I was having a big think before we started this episode and I was thinking about why is it that I think this proceed because procedurals like get stale that's just the point of them that's just what they do but Good Wife never does that I never really feel like it's stale with Good Wife and I was thinking a lot about why is that and part of the reason I think two of the big reasons why Good Wife always feels like you have to watch it is because within, you know, whatever the closed procedural case they're working on from episode to episode, within a contained episode, the show teases out information about other characters and the characters and like backstories and things like of that nature, as well as like there's a, as well as they have like a very strong recurring cast of characters. So I'm thinking about the judges who we meet again and who will like, we'll meet the same judges again and again. Um, And they're all sort of like quirky, which I know a lot of people hated, but on the rewatch, I I still really like the quirky judges because I think it's just like the show's sense of humor. Certain lawyers that they'll come up against like Nancy Crozier and that other white woman with the baby. She's funny. Yeah. I think those supporting characters are just as important as the guest characters we meet, you know, on a one-off those supporting characters kind of ground the show. I feel like every show, obviously we want new, we want fresh, but we do need that sense of familiarity and like solid ground to build um, story ideas upon. It feels like, you know what it feels like? It, it kind of feels like a comic book in that, you know, when you see the Riddler, you know what you're going to get. Like, so right. when you, when you, or when you see um, you, Penguin, you know what you're going to get. You don't get Penguin every comic book, right? 
but like right. he might be in somewhere along where down the road. And that's the same thing with the good wife. It's like, okay, you may get like judge winter in this one episode and then you'll see him again, like maybe three or four episodes from now, he's never quite gone. And then when you see him, you're like, Oh, I know what I'm going to get. So that's, I think that's what it is. Yeah, I agree with that. It is, it is really well done and well, well handled on this show. I think the last time I saw legal procedural do something similar was actually on Ally McBeal. That show they handled a lot of things badly, but that was one of the shows that it got, that was one of the elements it got really, really well. So in this season, Alicia re-enters the workforce after 13 years as a stay-at-home mom because her man had her out here looking stupid. <clears throat> he didn't just have her out here looking stupid and doing um, taking risks with uh, sex workers where people could see where obviously they, the sex workers themselves, could talk. But he was doing this with um, his constituents' money. He's incarcerated now. So she's a breadwinner. Peter's mother, Jackie, is helping out. And she really is helping out. But this character is a lot like the another character that the same actress played. She was Graham's on um, Jen's grandmother on Dawson's Creek. And she's never going to help you out without giving her opinion <laughs> on everything. Alicia's juggling living, well, not living, but having her mother-in-law around. Peter is Alicia's husband in prison, but he's like, but he's in prison while awaiting trial. Um, and during this time, Alicia is back at, um, yeah, the law firm. Uh, she's a first year associate at Stern, Lockhart and Gardner in the first season. Um, and Stern, Lockhart and Gardner and the courtrooms, there's like, it's where like a big bulk of our, our action will take place. Let's talk about, so let's talk about some people at Stern, Lockhart and Gardner. So like our two big people will be Will Gardner and Diane Lockhart. So Will is one of the managing partners and he is Alicia's like long time sort of friend. <laughs> friend. <laughs> um, uh, the whole, their whole story is that like they went to college together. They both went to Georgetown together and they're college sweethearts who then broke up and have just always been thinking about each other. And that's actually why she gets the job as a first year at Stern, Lockhart, and Gardner. Um, no one else would hire her. No one else would hire Alicia because she'd been out of the workforce for so long. But because Will had sort of, Will like really sticks his neck out for her and, and goes ahead and hires her so she can sort of get back into her stuff. Will is like your, I guess, consummate, like, or guess like they position him as like, this like sort of very flippant um, bad boy, like bit of a narcissist. Like he does things, you know, off of his ego and his pride, but um, like, but he doesn't have a personal life. He's a workaholic. Like his, his work is his personal and his personal is his work. He spends all his time at the, at the law firm, but he's um, Will is a, is a good egg. He is. He is. Was a good person. Was a steady person. Um, despite being a lawyer, Will is not a shady person, nor is he a liar. And basically, he's all the things that her man is not. 
and I will not be able to say this enough times during the podcast. Um, well, he's a shady person, <laughs> but like, it's just, he's not shady when it comes to Alicia. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like in his, in his, in his, um, in his dealings with her, what you see is what you get. Like he's never misled or lied to this woman ever. Um, hashtag justice for Will. Will deserves better. Um, but he's he's basically giving her that level of honesty and transparency, and more than willing to give her that level of commitment, um, genuine commitment that Peter could not. But you know, he's Will is like definitely like our longing romantic hero. Um, and I think what makes Will so interesting as a character is like, is for the reason, like we just stated, he, he, Will lives very firmly in this like morally gray line. Um, he doesn't, whatever he take, whenever they take on cases or like Will specifically is taking on a case that like, isn't really a, a moneymaker for the firm. He's usually doing it off the strength of like just his pride and his ego, um, and wanting to feed it because he, he just, he's very, he's highly competitive. He's, he's just very competitive and he likes to beat people. But when it comes to Alicia, he's very soft and like very cautious and kind. And he just becomes like a different person than what we see him, than how we like see him in this like work environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And I think this side of Will that we see with Alicia at the risk of sounding cheesy. I feel like it's a more genuine side of Will. And I think Alicia feels that way too. Hell, even the people around him and her are aware that she brings out something different in him. Will has a very deep, steady, abiding love for Alicia that kind of becomes his Achilles as the seasons progress. Right. I mean, even, yeah, even this season, as it progresses, it's very, like, it's, um, it is, like, his love for her will definitely be his Achilles, like, a combination of his love for her and and the fact that his work is really the only thing that, like, he does in his life is, like, that combination together will, will sort of get, get him, but, um. I don't know if you read this, but I, for me, I feel like it was heavily implied that he's a workaholic because um, the life that he wanted with Alicia never materialized. Interesting. Maybe. I feel that. No, I could see that. Because they do. Who knows? <clears throat> right. Because he does. Because there is that thing like in season. We'll get we'll we'll get to it. Um, but it, I, I, I know what you're saying. Because there is like a conversation that they have in later seasons where. I think when he's dating Tammy and she talks about, and Tammy was Will's, Tammy's sister is the girl that Will broke up with for Alicia. And Mm -hmm. Tammy's sister talks about, and Tammy relays this, this story about how when Will was breaking up with her sister, how he had said he, I, he, he found the one or something to that effect. Right. Right. I mean, he knew it then he was sure of it then. And he's still sure of it now. Like imagine loving someone so deeply 
and getting your whole future wrapped around them, even trying to date other people and moving on, but no one ever can hold your interests anywhere close to that magnitude. I would drown myself in my work too. <laughs> Listen, fair. Um, and that's definitely something to think about. The next managing partner is uh, will be Diane, Diane Lockhart, who is so elegant, Christine Bar- played by Christine Baranski, who's so great in this role. Um, Diane is like your classic, you know, white woman, liberal, rich, just nice, but like nice in a nice way. I mean, besides the fact that she is into like this weird tea partier person of a husband whatever yeah and um like you mentioned before um will and diane are bestie goals um they they fight they They do but but they've got each other's backs and their relationship is probably one of those rare relationships between a man and a woman on television and on film where there you you don't feel any sort of ulterior agendas or sexual tensions they're just friends who happen to be the opposite sex. <laughs> right. And they are, and like, don't get it twisted. Like they are ride or die for each other. They are, they are. They they fight with each other, but you know, they're also willing to fight for each other, which makes the difference. Another power player is um, Carrie, or as I like to call him, Logan Light. <laughs> <laughs> Logan Logan Huntsberger. Yes, Logan Huntsberger returns um, as Cariagos, Matt Zucri. Uh, And he, at least in this first season, he is Alicia's um, competitor in that, like, Lockhart Gardner only has room for, like, one full-time associate. And they're both competing for, like, one spot um, throughout the course of the first season. Um, yeah, he is. He's Logan Light. He's not as confident as Logan. You said that. Yeah, yeah, he isn't. And I feel like by the, by the by, you know, well before the finale of the series, he does become that. Um, but when we meet him in season one, he's clearly lacking the confidence and the swagger of a Logan Huntsberger. He's got the money. Um, well, he's, he's got Gilmore money. He doesn't have Huntsberger money. He doesn't <laughs> he's have got, Huntsberger he, money. He's got the money and he has got the, um, he's got the raw material, the charm, and he's definitely got the brains, but he lacks Logan's confidence. Um, and I feel like this both handicaps him at Stern Lockhart Gardner, but it also endears him to us, the audience. I felt that Carrie was a very endearing character. You know, Carrie is endearing. And I and I will say, I think another, even in the later seasons when I think Carrie gains confidence, he's still a, he's still very beta, whereas Logan is very alpha. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I feel like, I feel like in that, in the cases of Carrie versus Logan, it's a matter of breeding and environment. Um, right. Like Logan, Logan was raised in an environment that told him, you are the best. You will get the best. You deserve the best. Everything you do is the best. <laughs> so. Right. And whereas Carrie's daddy just does not love him. Carrie's daddy doesn't even try to put, doesn't even attempt to try to come up with bail money for him when he's in prison. Mm, hate it. 
Like Hate Logan Huntsberger, if uh, Mitchum Huntsberger, for no other reason than the family's name was being tarnished, he would have come through on that bail money. <laughs> uh, Carrie gets none of that love. Um, we have uh, Kalinda, who is an investigator for the firm. She is an independent contractor. She's hired out by the firm to do investigative work and odds and ends for the partners and. And other um, lawyers and um, you know other attorneys um, at and legal secretaries at the firm. Uh, Kalinda and Carrie have great chemistry from jump, but unfortunately, it's it's never actualized in the way that we would want it to be. Kalinda's a great character, um, played by Archie Punjabi. Um, she is very assertive. She is uh, very detail-oriented. Um, she's very resourceful. She's very closed off, very private. No one really knows anything about her. about her. Yeah, she's very mercurial. Yeah, she's very mercurial, and we never, ever really find out that much about her. It used to bother me that we never did. I was always like, one. it kind of bugged me, and I didn't know if it was like, failing on the writers or like if it was just sort of I don't know I could never I could never quite put my um my finger on my fingers on it but Kalinda is great but she does have like a lot of love and loyalty for people um at Lockhart Gardner she she and Will have a great friendship which I wish the show would have the show gives us teases of, but I wish they would have leaned into it a bit more. Um, she also forms a, a friendship with Alicia until until she doesn't have it anymore. Um, and she, and yeah, carries, and then, you know, yeah, carries on her, like, hotation. He's on the list. He's, a, exactly. he's in the roster. <laughs> he's definitely on the hotation. We oh, love no, it. No. Um, we love it. Well, the last people I want to talk about that we meet in season one who I feel ha- have a tremendous impact are actually Alicia's family. That uh, that that community of Jackie and her kids, Zach and Grace, I think are characters that are very well utilized, with, with the exception of one time. I feel like they were exceptionally well utilized to remind us that she is a wife and mother without um, hijacking the narrative of the show, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. Um, so my final thoughts on season one, honestly, are that Alicia sh- is abs- should absolutely have jumped on Will's dick, period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so season one. Right now, so here's some stuff that happens in season one. So also, The Good Wife has, like, every single, like, actor you've ever seen in a television show. Like, or movie. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but, like, it is, like, every every single one of your f- talented faves that you can think about somehow, somewhere, some way show up in the show. Yeah, uh, they will. They will. Um, we're not going to go through all, through all of them because if we were to, we would be here, like, all day. But just know that all of your faves are somewhere in some episode of this show. Um, but let's talk about, uh, okay, so let's talk about, um, 
episode 17 heart for a minute. One thing that I love about The Good Wife is that, like, this, the way that they, at least through, like, the first season, the way that they, like, build this, like, Will and Alicia, like, this Will and Alicia tension, and then, like, bring it back and then, like, really make you yearn and ache for it and give you just enough to keep going for it to be interesting, you know? And not, like, sort of exhausting in a way that I think people do sometimes, if that makes any sense. That doesn't make any sense. So, what I mean it by... It does. It does make sense. <laughs> I was like, what I mean by exhausting is, is that I think sometimes when a, sh- a show will, like, wait too long to put people together, and you're just so... By the time that they finally put two people together, you're just like, Ugh, I don't even care anymore. Olivia and Fitz got back together for, like, the third time or whatever. Yeah, it's like, no, we don't care. Exactly. It's like, no, we don't care. The first time this happens, or, like, we really get that is is in episode 17, which is Heart. So the episode itself is Will and Alicia are fighting for, they're fighting against this insurance company to get this surgery covered for this woman whose insurance has, like, kicked her off so that, like, her baby can't get, like, the life-saving in utero surgery it needs. Will and Alicia are, like, working it, and they're up against... I never know her name. Um, I only know the actress's name, Martha Plimpleton, but it's, like, it's this lawyer, and she always, like, has a baby with her. <laughs> like, and the gag is that, like, she always uses this baby to, like, get out of things. Yes, yes. Which I thought was a great move, because I'm like, how has no one told her to get a babysitter? <laughs> right? I'm like, how has no one... and and that's what's funny about it, because I think one time she does it in a later season and it backfires. And the judge is like, can you keep that baby quiet? And she was <laughs> not expecting it. Um, but she should have. And I feel like she should have heard that well before now. And these judges must be the nicest people in the world. Right? Because I was like, I feel like any other person would be like, ma'am, get that baby out of here. Like, what are you doing? Right. I love babies, but I would still be like, why is that infant in my courtroom? <laughs> she got right. bounce. The This is like the first time that like Alicia and Will kiss and kids. It is like, ugh, it's everything. It's everything. I don't know. It's all the things. It's everything you never knew you always needed. Like, that's it, baby. Like, it's... It was probably one of the best first kisses I've seen in a while. Now, I know I had a lot to say on TVD, and I stand by all the things that I said. But I think the last time I was like, I felt this great about a first kiss was the first time that Elena and Stefan kissed on TVD. Oh, wow. That's like high praise from you. Yeah, it is. Because y'all know Gravity by Sarah Bareilles was playing. I still remember the song that was playing. It was that good. And when I saw Will and Alicia kiss, I didn't even know that I was like holding my breath. But there was like this sigh of relief when it finally happened. I'm like, because your girl had never seen the series before. So my dumbass had some hope that this was the beginning of the end for her marriage with Peter. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh a a girl can dream but man that was amazing first kiss it was it's an amazing first kiss but it'll also sort of be 
it'll be sort of like what defines their relationship in terms of like their relationship is just plagued with like bad timing. It's like, and listen, it is a kiss like so passionate that Alicia has to like go home and then like have sex with Peter just to like, just to, 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 you know, clear it all out down there. I just want to go on record and say Alicia didn't have to go home and have sex with Peter. She chose that because she makes bad choices. Um, <laughs> she could have stayed and had sex with Will, but you know, um, bad decision, the bad decision making all around. L- listen, Peter didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve um, sex from Alicia until like at least season two somewhere. I don't know. But it was way too soon for me. <laughs> banana nuts. You're banana nuts. Um, also, okay, so also, like, one thing I really like about Will, and, like, this is something we talk about, about how, like, uh, and this is something we've, like, yeah, we've spoken about before, but, so Josh Charles is, like, the actor who plays Will. Josh Charles looks weird. Like, he's a funny-looking person, but, like, uh, there is a magnetism and a sexiness, like, about him that cannot be denied, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like he has his charisma makes up for his appearance. And honestly, um, I feel like almost enhances it in a way. Like if he were better looking with that same level of charisma, it might come off cocky. Right. Interesting. Um, But like, I think like cockiness is definitely like a a personality trait for, for Will. That's like definitely his like, that's where he lives at. Like, oh, perfect example of what I'm talking about. Logan Huntsberger had Mm. that sort of magnitude and charisma, but he was also, like, really good looking. And a lot of Gilmore Girls fans don't like Logan Huntsberger. And when you ask them why, they can't give you a legitimate reason other than these things. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Okay. That's real. One thing I want to talk about really quick is, so every season... Good Wife will have, like, a very special race episode. Uh, This season's episode is... It's episode 10, Lifeguard. We could have not. We could have (laughs) not. Like, like, part of me doesn't really understand... The show and its treatment of, like, Black characters will be something that's, like, continuous throughout the run of the series. Not just with, like, this particular episode, but with, like, just other Black characters that exist on the show, like Geneva Pine and um, Wendy Scott Carr and Matan and Courtney, who is uh, Alicia and Carrie's assistant for a season, uh, and, like, more other Black characters. And I never know... I still to this day am not sure like what this show is trying to say about race because <laughs> it, it, it is thinking about it, but I don't know what they're saying. I summarize all their race episodes with, well, we tried. <laughs> I, it, it, you really can't get more profound than that because the message is very unclear. But it's It's unclear. And I feel like it's trying to... Cause I mean, I know that they don't care. I, it's so strange. Like, and it's also, also the top, the tippity tip top tier of black talent has, they've all been on this show, by the way. Right. Right. Which is also another like strange thing to look, watch. Right. I mean, yay for employing black actors. And I know they had black writers, but these race episodes really do not slap. Um, They don't slap. (laughs) 
in this particular one, you have a judge whom um, um, Carrie is led to believe um, might have a racial bias and maybe a racist it, um, insofar as his sentencing, but only his recent sentencing. This judge is played by Tony Goldwyn, who played Fitz on Scandal. And I mean, I'm a little bit alarmed at how well he plays racists um, or would be racists. Um, but like, it turns out to be, like, a big misunderstanding of something going on in his personal life. Like, he's a gambling addict, yes? Yes. Yeah. That's what's going on with this judge. He's not really racist, but, like, or not in the—the the racial bias is not in the way that they think. But, like, the flip side of that is— um, He's still he, sending black kids to the to the juvenile detention center. Which is the literal definition of systemic racism. Racism, right. <laughs> so it's like, so, yeah, and the show, yeah, the way the show frames it, the show's like, see, gotcha, it's not really racism, but then it's like, no, like, it, it is. Still. I, 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 I really sat with this particular episode for a while because I don't just feel like it was a poor attempt. I feel kind of like it was low-key gaslighting. Like, <laughs> you silly rabbit, you think everything's racist. Sometimes it's deeper than that. Right. Like it was trying to, and, and that's why I'm saying like, I'm, I'm consistently confused because, and that's what it is. Um, and that episode is essentially a distillation of how the show treats all of its black characters. Like, I don't think Robert and Michelle King hate black people, but I also like, don't think that they get it either. Like, I think that they think, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely not, um, you know, uh, Julie Pleck Bad or Amy Sherman Palladino revisionist. It's just incredibly myopic. And ignorant. yeah, I think it's just white, <laughs> right? I, I think it's, it's this is your this think this is more of your standard white, like your standard Caucasian. <laughs> so by the end of season one, Peter has won his trial, and he is and he's trying to change for Alicia because he's like, I want to work on our marriage. And he has, like, uh, inflicted himself upon some Black people at this all-Black church on the south side of Chicago, unfortunately. Yeah, they don't deserve that either. They don't deserve that. He should have left them alone. But he's he's, um, visiting with a pastor to get better and be better. And he's held a press conference and he's announcing his run, state's attorney, Alicia has won the the associate's position um, and Carrie has been summarily fired. Poor Carrie. And he worked so hard. I feel bad for him. I feel terrible for Carrie. I mean, they both worked hard, but like, yeah, he didn't necessarily have the connections Alicia had because he's estranged from his father at the time um, to sort of be able to like flash in front of the partners to, to get the associate's position. So he's fired. Will leaves this incredibly passionate 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 voicemail on alicia's phone talking about how he wants to be with her he wants this to be real this time and he wants to to he's he's all in and eli eli gold which is somebody we haven't quite talked about yet but we'll talk about in a minute um peter's campaign manager uh takes alicia's phone listens to the passionate voicemail that Will put on her phone and then deletes it. <laughs> mm. 
This actually happens at the very beginning of season two. But yeah, he did leave that voicemail in season one and then Eli deletes it at the start of season two. But he leaves behind another voicemail that Will left, which was like, uh, kind of like a, I'm just, you know, you know, forget what the last voicemail said, voicemail. And he leaves that one on her phone because Eli is a manipulative prick. One of the, like, you know, we talk about like, <laughs> Um, things that are, like, cruel or inappropriate. But, like, outside of, like, physical violence, I feel like that's one of the worst things you could do to somebody. Like, like strip them of options and choices. And, like, you know, um, uh, try to handle them, which is what he was doing here. He was handling Alicia in order to handle Peter's campaign, right? Because, right. obviously, it looks good if he's still married to the wife that he cheated on. Right. And it's, I mean, it's, it's about like the narrative that he's essentially built around both of them. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something that's recurring throughout the series. I mean, that's why it's uh, obviously because it's the good wife, but the point of, but there is like this narrative around her that like, oh, she's so amazing because she stood by her man and she's so graceful and she's all of these things. And she is what makes Alicia is what makes people like Peter, not necessarily Peter himself. Right. It's kind of like, well, she's such a good woman. And so if she sees something in him, he must not be that bad. Um, but I just feel like the audacity that he would even want or try to run for state's attorney again. Like, have you met you? <laughs> um, but that's how season one finishes up. It's, it's a really, really, really well-woven story, honestly. Keeps you a it it doesn't do a lot, like it doesn't give you like how to get away with murder type cliffhangers, but you absolutely want to tune in for season two. So what is your grade for season one? Race episode aside. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I race episode Yeah, race episode aside. Um I because I think that's just what it will be in terms of the race stuff. It'll just be bad. It never improves. Um, I, I'm going to give it a good, I'm going to give it a solid good. It's very, what it does well, it does extremely well. You know what I mean? We have all of our main players, um, in this first season, they're strong. I think we get a clear sense of who everybody is. It's interesting. And I'm, I'm, I think the hardest thing to do is to make like a procedural, like interesting, um, but the good wife does it and, and that's what's up. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think season one is absolutely good. I enjoy everything. I, the wardrobes, I like the law procedurals. I like the, the quirky recurring characters. I love that these pe white people are shot in bright lights and colors and not mo shades of gray that makes them look dead and ashy <coughs> house of cards. I really, really love um, Juliana Margulies' lace front. Shout out to the hair and makeup department. Definitely good. Absolutely great season. So let's jump right into season two, which is also 23 episodes. Um, first, tell us your standout episodes of this season. Standout episodes, season two. For me, I've got um, season two, episode one, Taking Control. I like season two, episode four, Cleaning House. Season two, episode five, VIP treatment. 
season two, episode nine, uh, nine hours, season two, episode 10, breaking up. I like season two, episode 11, two courts, season two, episode 19, wrongful termination, and then season two, episode 23, closing argument. Okay, a lot of these were on my list as well, but some of the ones that you didn't mention. I really love season two, episode three, Breaking Fast. I love episode 17, Ham Sandwich, and episode 21, In Sickness. Ooh, those are good too. Um, All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the season where we really get to know um, Peter's crisis manager slash campaign manager, whatever, Eli Gold. We got a glimpse of how far he's willing to go with the deleted voicemails at the end of season one. Um, so basically, he's just plotting to keep Alicia and Will apart. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Carrie's uh, hired as deputy state's attorney. Yeah, sorry. He's hired as deputy state's attorney, and she's still at um, Lockhart and Gardner. Peter is um, beginning his campaign against the current state's attorney, Glenn Childs. A new partner joins the firm, Derek Bond. So now it's Lockhart, Gardner, and Bond. And I think the biggest bombshell of this season is that we find out that Kalinda, formerly Leela, slept with Peter when she used to work for him in the state's attorney's office. Alicia finds this out, um, which um, leads to a decimation of her really close budding friendship with Kalinda and the beginning of a sexual relationship with Will. So they pack a lot in, but it honestly doesn't feel forced or rushed or unevenly paced at all. This season two is a great season. Even, even all, even with all this stuff of like the, the the race for um, state's attorney, because um, we've got not we've got Glenn Childs, we've got Peter, and we've got Anika Noni Rose, who um, will guest star and recur as Wendy Scott Carr, who is another competitor in the race for state's attorney. So, fun fact about me. Um, Anika Noni Rose is someone who I think has perfect diction. And if I die before she does, I totally want her to speak at my funeral. (laughs) Um, yeah. And she's excellent in this show. So something that kind of bugs me, these shows that are like super, super well-written, I'm all, I think I'm always like harder on them, but something that kind of bugs is like, why are all the black women on this show like antagonists? You know, I don't, I think it's one of those things where it's a subconscious bias. I think they legitimately believe that like they're doing a good thing by hiring black actors um, and casting them in these roles. And it literally never crossed their minds that they're all antagonists. Right. And it's like every single one is an antagonist and I think it bugs because they go so also last season and then this season as well will there there will be a recurring character um and he will recur throughout the the rest of the run of the series um and his name is Lamond Bishop uh he is played by Mike Coulter of Luke Cage fame um and he is like the number he's like the top drug dealer in Chicago on the good wife. And 
they will have episodes where like they really humanize him, but all these like black female characters also recur. Like, and I'm particularly thinking about Wendy Scott Carr. I'm thinking about Geneva Pine, um, played by Renee Ellis Goldsberry, um, who looks so young on this show. I forgot how I was like, oh my gosh. They'll be like petty or like angry for like no reason. And I don't and like we'll, they'll never like humanize them in the way that I in the way that like Lamond Bishop or gets humanized. And I I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a case of misogynoir specifically because like you said, Lamond is also black, right? And um more to the point, I think that um with men it's very common in media to give us this criminal with a heart of gold trope. Far less excuses would be made for a woman in that position. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's definitely straight up misogynoir that we don't even explore these black women. It's like what you see is what you get. They're just always angry and petty. Moving on, <laughs> you know? Uh, Carrie. So Carrie gets hired at the state's attorney's office as a pro like at the city as a prosecutor and makes this excellent heel turn into an antagonist, uh, against and a rival against all the kids at Lockhart Gardner. One thing that I like about Carrie this season is that I think we get like more of like an insight into Carrie's sort of like moral compass. Alicia is somebody who starts off as like a really moral character and then like progressively till throughout the run of the series becomes, I think her compass points permanently South. Carrie is somebody who was definitely like in the gray area. And then while he's at the state's attorney's office, very much, I think becomes somebody who is about, you know, doing the right thing and like right and wrong. And that's interesting to see that progress for him and in, in his character. Yeah, I would never have thought it of Carrie specifically because, like, you know, like we mentioned before, Carrie's background, um, you know, it, it could be so easy to make this character the one who goes dark, right? Yeah. But they didn't, and I thought that was super interesting. They kept Carrie the good guy, which I thought I thought was, was bold, um, but they pulled it off. The show really does pull it off, I think. It does. So one of my um, episodes that I really like is a season two episode nine, which is nine hours. And this uh, episode will be a sort of regular episode for the good wife. It'll um, in terms of like the type of episode it is and the type of episode it is, is where like everybody comes together to um, save like an inmate from death row. I, but I particularly like season two, episode nine, because the actor who plays the inmate is gives like an amazing performance. Um, yeah, a lot of these supporting, um, not supporting, but guest actors on this show were really, really surprisingly um, inspiring and moving. Very, very moving. One thing I love about it, and this is something I love about The Good Wife, and it's why like I'm always like, oh, this show, is that when they are doing these sort of like death row types of episodes, they do predominantly end up casting like black inmates to play them, which is accurate. Like death row is predominantly black men. It's also predominantly black men who are like 
innocent. Um, there, there's lots of, and you can go read about this on the Innocence Project. The people who get put on death row, it is like racially biased. Um, so I do like that, like that is like happening and that and that they're doing that because I think nowadays, like on a legal show, if you have a death row inmate, like nine times, like most of them are like white, which like isn't like a thing. Right, right. Um, I think it's it's interesting to me how um, <laughs> white people want the representation in media when it comes to showing white inmates. So another- ironically, this is the only time they get race right, isn't it? <laughs> It is like, it's like, and this is like, it's like, it's just, it's these small things. Um, They're not completely ignorant as to at least what the racial makeup of the prison populace looks like. Right. And then, and then particularly it's like, they'll have this episode and then they'll have, you know, Colin Sweeney, who is a recurring character on the show. And Colin Sweeney is like a rich white man who killed his wife and everybody knows he killed his wife and everyone, but he's, but he successfully got off. Right. Because Mm -hmm. he's rich and he's white. So it's like, it's like they have, so that's why the good wife is like always like, huh? To me. Cause it's like, they have clearly they're not that ignorant because they understand that. Right. How an innocent black man can be sentenced to death row. And then a, white man who is an actual murderer can like go free and be fine because he has money. But then there are all these sort of misogynoir, like sort of ugly undercurrent things happening within the series as well. Right, right, right. And, you know, this, this is kind of touches on something that I like to, you know, bring up every now and then. Um, I hate the term woke, especially in reference to white people, but I hate the term woke in general, because, um, you know, when you're awake, you're asleep, there's not really an in between. And when people start identifying themselves as woke, they start thinking that, you know, they've, there's no more learning to do. I do feel like unlearning certain racial and or gender biases is an ongoing, possibly lifelong event. And you can be aware of one situation, like the fact that it's predominantly black men on death row, and not be aware that you're promoting misogynoir stereotypes, you know? Right. So... So let's talk about another plot that, like, I wasn't particularly pleased with this season. So this season, we have Michael Ely shows up as a Bond something Bond. I think it's something Bond. I don't remember. But he shows up to become a a partner at Lockhart Gardner after Stern uh, dies. Um, not Stern dies, he leaves, he dies soon, but I don't think it's in this season. Um, he comes to be a partner at Lockhart Gardner, um, because Lockhart Gardner is in money troubles. And so they, he becomes a named partner to invest in the firm and help the firm get back on their feet. So when, uh, Bond comes along, he brings with him his own, uh, investigator, um, in Blake Calamar. So there's like a whole plot between like Blake and Kalinda, some sort of like weird rival s- 
kind of sexual thing. And I hated it. I hated it as well. Um, I would have preferred if they had a relationship similar to the relationship that Carrie and Alicia had in season one. Same. And I get why they couldn't because like they are Bond and Blake are ultimately antagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, they come to like put a rift between Will and Diane. I I just hated it. I don't even, I, I, hmm? Oh no! Yeah, I, I hate it. I hated it. That's it. That's all. I hate. I hate it. Like even if their relationship had been one where they like each other, but there's like as people, not like sexual, but like they like each other, but there's lots of tension. Like maybe Alicia and Jackie's relationship, I would have been cool with that too. Attention doesn't always have to be sexual, and I I would like it if uh, this were not. <laughs> right. Um, I. I agree with you. I think if it had just been, if it, if it had just been sinister and violent, I would have just, I would have been on board with that. Let's talk about, um, this big turn that happens where we find out that Kalinda and Peter slept together and then Alicia finds out this season and it is, it, and it puts basically, it smashes their, their friendship to smithereens. Which I hated. I understood why Kalinda didn't say anything. I understand why Alicia is angry with her and cannot continue a friendship with her and why Alicia feels deceived and betrayed and hurt by now both Peter and Kalinda. I get all of it. I would have just rather not seen it and have not, and had that not been the case. Also, I like to believe my projection of Kalinda that she has better taste than to sleep with Peter Florick. Like when I found that out, like I was like legitimately sad for both Kalinda and for Alicia, because I think that if there were no Peter, if, if Peter never existed, if Alicia had made the smart decision and married Will out of college, they would have been the best of friends seeing like a budding female friendship kind of like nipped in the bud that way. And again, I understand why Kalinda didn't say anything. She didn't know this woman then, but she knows her now. She cares about her now. And like you said, Kalinda someone who isn't a very verbose, affectionate person. You see how she cares about you through her actions. And I really feel like she um, genuinely liked Alicia, even though she, it was never her intention to make friends with her. Right. And in fact, and also I always clocked that like, it was a friendship, but I also clock that like, Kalinda's like a little in love with her as well. Yo, I thought I was the only one who thought that. No, yeah, I definitely get that. Like, it's, they definitely code that like, Kalinda's like, a little in love with Alicia as well. Because, because everybody remarks on it. Um, Because there's that episode where we meet one of Kalinda's girlfriends. Um, one of her past girlfriends who is played by like this really famous actress and I can't recall her name, but, um, it's what, oh yeah. When, when it comes to, when they get that big settlement and they're having the office party and Blake finds this, her ex-girlfriend and brings her to the party, uh, the ex-girlfriend clocks it that like, that Kalinda's into Alicia And that's why why she says all those things of like, oh, wow, like those heels, I could never wear those heels. Like she, it's totally like 
the whole tone of it is absolutely like a, a of like you're sizing up your your new your new lover's piece. And yeah, she even thinks that they're together. She doesn't realize that like Alicia's straight. Right, right. So yeah, thank you for bringing that episode to my recollection because I really thought that I was presuming this, but yeah, there there is they do lay the groundwork that Kalinda definitely if not in love definitely has a crush on both um alicia and carrie throughout the series yeah throughout the series and and everyone clocks it because then um because then later the fbi agent also clocks it uh the woman that kalinda's with the sophie that blonde woman she clocks it as well um and then uh kalinda's husband clocks it that as well when Kalinda's on the phone with Alicia he's like who you like he's like who are you talking to like that and she's like nobody it's work he goes I know that voice it's not work who are you talking to um and she's like no one forget about it and then he calls and the inter it's intercut with like we know we know that the phone conversation is between Kalinda and Alicia but um but when he calls the office, it's like Alicia and Carrie are like sharing the office. So like Carrie answers the phone. So he thinks it's Carrie, but like it's actually Alicia. And like, but, and, and that's just one example, but it's throughout the series. And that's why I guess like it hurts Kalinda so much that like they can't even be friends. It's cause like she was like in love with her. Right. A and little. I think that's what. I think this is what I hated about the turn. Like, first of all, we know Peter can't keep his dick in his pants. Literally have had, have him had fucked anybody but Kalinda. Um, I think you would have got the same results. Um, if let's say we found out there was another woman in the woodwork after he told Alicia, after he claimed to have told Alicia the whole truth, I think you would have still got the same results insofar as her finally leaving him and being with Will. Um, this, this thing of uh, trampling the Alicia and Kalinda um, friendship, um, I feel like close the door on um, not necessarily a relationship between them. Cause I don't think that would ever happen. Alicia's straight, but um, us seeing a more sensitive, more tender side of Kalinda. Right. Right. I agree with all of that. Okay. So really quick. Um, can we talk about the fact that the sex worker shows up at Alicia's job? What's mm. what, what, what that happened in was, season one, right? Yeah, it. I think it happens in season two because it's like the Chelsea Handler episode, and that is season two. I do remember that. I, I have it in my notes of season two. I might be wrong. Yeah, I but, do um, remember her coming in season one, and like, and then like confronting Alicia in the parking lot as well, and then Alicia's like tell your horse to stop calling me and stop coming to my house, come, come into my work or whatever. Um, that whole situation was wild to me. Cause this girl really looked this man's wife in the face and was like, he told me he loved me. And I'm like, sweetie, you do not have the right disposition to be a sex worker. If you and think that's what I said, I was like, is she a new hoe? Cause like you are so new. It hurts. <laughs> you, I'm like, cause a real one would never do this. <laughs> the married man told you, that he loves you and that he's going to leave his wife and that he's going to hire you as an employee. Um, yeah. And I have a beach in Idaho to sell you. Sell you, honey. I was like, girl, what are you doing? 
Why are you at this man's house? Why are you calling his house? Why are you going up to this man's wife? I was like, you can't, I'm like, you can't just write your little book and get money and go about your business like every other bitch out here. What's, what's up? What's up? Let's, I just want to talk. Like, and then you're angry at the wife for not speaking to you as if she owes you something. Entitlement is like on 100. On 100. I was just like, wow, that's crazy. It couldn't be like, me. Listen. I don't care what her man told you, what he said to you, what he did for you. She's not her man. Um, she doesn't owe you them these anything. She doesn't. She didn't promise you anything. And if anything, I feel like you should humble yourself and understand that what she needs is her space, and that you are one of the people that led to this, the hurt that she feels right now. I don't understand this idea that you can just like, you can just sleep with someone's partner. And then feel like they're obligated to make a statement on the subject. <laughs> like, right. Just, you're acting like the press. Like, stop this, hun. Stop it. Stop it. I was like, mm, stop. And then when, like, Peter, like, really is like, I will ruin your life. And she cries. I'm like, who, who are you? Rory? Like. The Rory Gilmore. Gilmore? Like. <laughs> What is happening? Oh, I hated it too. That was terrible. So anyway. So that was another reason why I felt like the Kalinda plot was unnecessary because I would have preferred that they have made the sex worker another woman that was working at the state's attorney's office. And then Alicia finds out about that, that it wasn't just prostitutes, that it was one of his employees. That way we get the same outcome without bringing Kalinda into the, the, uh, the situation because this woman's behavior was not that of a sex worker. It was that of uh, a, a mistress who caught feelings. Right. Exactly. So, anyway, so season two ends with um, another sort of, like, race against time episode, closing arguments. And Carrie is still at the state's attorney's office. And once again, you know, the team at Lockhart Gardner, um, because now, since now, Bond has been um, kicked out of the practice because he was a op and, and Blake is gone. Although they will reappear um, later down the road because like any mark of a good, so the mark of a good show is that like characters that you bring in will never quite go away. Um, and the good wife definitely follows like that, uh, that structure um, characters that happened way in season one that were recurring that we thought were gone will come back in and uh, help to resolve certain storylines. Um, and this is no different. But um, series ends with, um, not series, the season ends with uh, Will and Alicia at um, a hotel bar and they're hanging out, hanging out, and then they're like, let's just fuck. And then they go for it. Um, but what I love about it is that it's, there are so many things, <laughs> like there's so many barriers to their like, to, to the fucking, like the first thing is, is like, they want, they try to get a room at the hotel bar that they're in and all the rooms are filled up. The only room that's left is like this $7,000 a night room, which Shout out to Will, though. He puts that straight on his black card. Like, no Listen, hesitation. Love it. <laughs> love it. 
Um, and then they get in the elevator and some some child has like pressed all the buttons <laughs> like right before they get on. And so the doors are like opening and closing on like every floor. And I in but like through like the doors opening and closing and opening and closing, it's like this amazing kiss and like they're like kissing and basically it goes down. And I like it because it's like it's real because like that's real life. <laughs> you know, the hotel rooms being booked and like the the annoying kid and the weird um people like getting it on your floor or like whatever. Um but it's it still manages to be like super romantic and it's so fulfilling. It was very fulfilling. I'm gonna make another TVD reference, but this was the same feeling I felt when Elena and Damon finally had sex season four of TVD. I was like, cool, finally. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I liked I liked the fact that there were so many like tiny hurdles as well. Because I it's one of those situations where it's like, y'all clearly know what you're doing. You really want this. It's not spur of the moment. This is a long time coming. Cause there were so many times. So many occasions for you to walk off the elevator, right? Before you right. got to the room. <laughs> um, so I think that's what like made it really great for me. Season two, if you had to give it a grade, what's your grade? Season two was very good. I thought it was amazing. Um, between, you know, Carrie, um, Carrie coming into his own and uh, Will and Alicia getting together and I mean the nine hours episode itself and episode 17 ham sandwich where we meet Lamont Bishop, I think we're strong enough to propel the entire season, but the entire season is just full of hits. Right. Like see, season two is also, it's just a strong showing out. It's another like, let's go. Eh, Blake, you know, Blake plot aside, um, <laughs> I'm going to give it a solid good as well. Let's go into season three. What are your favorite episodes? Season three. Season three, we're kicking it off with the opener, A New Day. A New Day is great. I also love episode four, Feed the Rat. Episode seven, Executive Order. Episode eight, Death Row Tip. I like episode nine, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I like episode 14, Another Ham Sandwich. Um, and then I like episode uh, 18, Gloves Come Off. I love episode 19, Blue Ribbon Panel. And then I like episode 21, The Penalty Box. And then episode 22, The Dream Team. All right. For me, favorites would be episode one, A New Day. Episode three, Get a Room. Episode four, Feeding a Rat. Episode eight, Death Row, um, Death Row Trip. Um, episode seventeen, Long Way Home, and also episode twenty-two, The Dream Team. Um, and this was this was the hardest season for me to whittle down favorites. Same, 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 same. Oh man, when I tell you that this season was just stacked with hits, it's like it's 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 like uh, if your favorite artist who only puts out quality put out a best of album. And you like the best of album, but you know that like there's like 
most of your favorites are also missing from it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, Such a great season. Alicia's a third-year litigator this season. She's on track to becoming partner. Peter's still trash. He's still taking up too much space. The state's attorney again. I don't know how that happened. Are the people of Chicago impaired in some way that I'm not aware of? Like, what is happening? Like, is it the... I don't know what's happening. But we found out that Kalinda has a husband. Um, Will gets indicted over some old shit that he did at his old firm. And Alicia stops fucking him because won't somebody think of the children? This was the one time where I felt like uh, Alicia's children in particular were very poorly utilized by the writers. We'll get into it. Let's jump in with the overarching plots of this season. One of the big things is that Eli and Peter are plotting for Peter to run for governor of Illinois. So everything is getting ready to ramp up to that. But in but while Eli's thinking of governor of Illinois of for while Eli's thinking about Peter's campaign, Peter is still working in the state's attorney's office. And one of the big overarching plots of the season is that Will um so uh, Will, like his racist judge friend back in season one, uh, used to like have a gambling problem. And back when he had that sort of gambling problem, um, he took $45,000, a client's account, and for over a long weekend to pay like a bookie. And then he put it back. But what he did was but it doesn't matter that he put the money back. Um, what he did was illegal as shit. So um, he is being brought up on charges by the state's attorney's office to like put him in jail. So the reason why they bring Will up on charges is that they want to go through Will to get to Lamond Bishop, who as of last season is like a, an official client of Lockhart Gardner. Yeah, get to Lamont Bishop and get to his drug trade. So Will gets indicted. Um, and in that indictment, lots of stuff happens, um, as well as uh, we're deep into this campaign for governor. And that's sort of the overarching stuff that happens. The opener really quick, a new day. You know it's a new day. Uh, and you know that Alicia is that bitch because mama's got a brand new lace front with a swoop bang so you know it's serious exactly um her hair's looking really really good man that lace front is amazing i want to title the show the adventures of alicia floric and her amazing lace front (laughs) it's just it looks fantastic but like see this is another thing like between the season finale of season two the season opener of season three and the fact that it's called A New Day, your girl still had hope that Peter might be out of the picture for good soon. No <laughs> <Nope>. such luck. <laughs> no such luck. Oh, they so tease the, me. So one of the reasons I want to talk about A New Day is because A New Day... Um, so, poor good wife. The good wife really likes sex, like, and it likes fucking, and it likes thinking about fucking. But, like, alas, it's on CBS. <laughs> Mm. Mm. so uh they don't so all their stuff has to be like innuendo i 
Do you like to think, like, highlight season, uh, like, just this particular episode? Something that I think is really cool and, like, interesting about this episode is that it's one of the sexiest sex scenes I've seen where, like, no one's naked. Yes, um, I definitely put that away in my memory banks as well. Um, The cinematography was excellent. Right, and I I just, I, and I like it because I, you know, this is like an ongoing sort of topic of conversation, of things that like we're all talking about and thinking about what's the line, what do we want, what do we do? And once again, I just, and I specifically like it because I think it's just a great example of like, you can achieve the things you want to achieve and nobody has to take their clothes off. Like, it's absolutely possible. It's doable. It's out there. You just have to write it correctly and cast the right actors, which, yeah. Right. And it has to be filmed well as well. Like, right. that matters so much. Cinematography matters so much. But I thought this this uh, the sex scene between uh, Will and Alicia was beautiful like visually it's i can get behind this i was like this looks like a movie <laughs> no and it's like and it's incredibly i also think what what really makes it work is like also like the actors just kind of going for it and um when he puts his finger in her mouth and she bites on it to keep from like when she's like coming and and like to keep quiet i was like holy shit that's hot like (laughs) Mm. it was steamy you guys and i think that's the difference between um writing a sex scene versus cultivating an atmosphere and i think um this this particular scene did both the former and the latter not just the former um you really feel like you're in the room with them um and like you're watching something not just sexual but highly intimate that you shouldn't be watching, you know, like you're like you're interrupting a moment almost. It's just really it's good. And I think it's one I think it's just something to look at. It's definitely something to look at, something to think about, something to study. Like if you're a filmmaker or a writer and you're trying to think about like how do you exactly what you said, how do I cultivate this moment and make it hot and like but still have it be intimate and do all the things that like I need it to do without, you know, relying on, I think, you know, showing this bunch of skin or like putting somebody like, or if like an actor doesn't want to like take off their clothes or like whatever, like how, how else can I make this moment work? Right. Right. And you know, if I'm on CBS and they're not down with that, (laughs) 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 you want to talk about, Will's old girlfriend that I kind of don't like. Which one are we talking about now? Celeste. Um, Celeste. I don't have strong feelings about Celeste, to be very honest. I do think the Celeste character is interesting um, because she know mostly because her character helps to, like, reveal and, like, tease out, like, Will's backstory. And, like, I think her character helps us get a glimpse into who he used to be before. And that's really interesting. Uh, also, oh my gosh, uh, episode four where like Will tells Alicia that like he loves her and like it slips mm. out accidentally. That made my heart break. And she's like, yeah, don't worry. I'm not, I knew it didn't mean anything. And he's like low key crushed. Yeah. And it's like, what do you mean? You know, it didn't mean anything. 
Do you even know Will? Of course it means something. <laughs> um, Will is not the type of dude that goes around telling folks that he loves them, first of all. Secondly, you dated this man before, so you know exactly what him be in love with you looks like. Also, uh, Sterling K. Brown and Nicole Bahari show up this season. Uh, Nicole Bahari uh, recurs in a couple episodes, so check her out. I We love Love, love Nicole uh, Bahari here. Um, I'm kind of a stan. Uh, yeah, all right. So, like, in episode seven, there's, like, a conversation between uh, Peter and, and Will because, basically, like, Will is being indicted and, like, he got, like, the grand jury papers and uh, and and it's and essentially Peter is in charge because he is, like, the state's attorney. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Will... And it's, like, an amazing scene. Will basically is like, um, stop all this petty shit and just hit me if you're mad that I'm fucking your wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is, we stand a king. Like, king. it is some deep, like, alpha, like, male shit. And Peter just sort of looks at him like, just, like, you know, deep breath in and, like, a sigh. <laughs> He was um, giving me Aries energy and I really liked it. I'm definitely in the camp of like, Peter has no right to be mad. Like, how dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you be upset by this? After all the shit that you were doing that you had no intention of stopping until it was exposed. It's not like she found out about like some affair that he had or a sex addiction that he had that like ended years ago. She found out about things he was currently doing when he got arrested, right? Like Yeah. So you, yeah, you have no you have no rights, sir. You don't have rights anymore <laughs> to be upset. Like if you've cheated that many times and your wife has only stepped out once, um, and after kicking you out of the house at that, um, there's really nothing you can say in that situation. You gotta swallow it, bury that shit deep. Right. Um, also, yeah, just also episode seven in general, executive order. Like I did, I know I put it on my, my favorite episodes, but like, I really should stress, this is a really great episode. This is also season three between season two and season three is also where I think the good wife really comes into its own in terms of the filmmaking, uh, particularly executive order. There are parts that feel very reminiscent of like a Wes Anderson film, a client who is suing the government because he was tortured. And there's a part where they get all these files from the government, but the files are like redacted when they cut between somebody at the law firm reading the redacted files. And then the actual person speaking the redacted files. It, like I said, it feels very Wes Anderson down to the fact that like they changed the aspect ratio uh, between Mm -hmm. the person reading and the actual reenactment of the redaction and it's really cool and it's really interesting it's also something that's really great about the good wife they really play with these sort of references and um of like auteurs and other films and uh they do a lot with this sort of like with the limits they have in terms of uh being a a legal procedural Right. Um, I definitely caught the changes and, well, the the risks and the experiments with uh, f- the cinematography as well. And I thought it was really well done. Um, and I agree. I think that seasons two and three are where the show comes into its own. And personally, they're my favorite seasons. Same. I think season two 
like two, three, and four are probably well. Yeah, def- I think two between two and five are my my seasons that I like the best. Shout out to three episode eight. Carrie and Kalinda share a very fraught but very passionate kiss. It's very longing, very fraught with tension and emotion. My favorite kind. <laughs> had, had me deep in my feels. Also, Dana Lodge is a character who comes in who, like, I don't know. She, once again, they, like, make all these Black women characters really annoying on purpose, and it hurts. And, like, she and Kate Carrie are, like, having, like, a thing. The show is, this show is just nuts sometimes. The show feels like just doing things that are so left sometimes. Because Dana and Kalinda are having, like, a conversation. And Dana's just, like, you know, Carrie, like, talks about you during sex. And I'm like, what? Why are you volunteering that information, friend? Okay, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking, why is Carrie talking about her during sex? (laughs) Carrie's like, I'm like, why? Yes. But then why are you volunteering the information? And it's like, and like, she's doing it as like a tease, but I'm like, unless you're just going to, unless you're going to full on like go for the threesome, like that's just kind of rude. You know what I mean? It is. And I thought that's what she was setting me up for. And I'm like, so no threesome then. Nope. Right. <laughs> like if I'm Clint, I'm like, what is this? Like, unless you're setting me up for like going for it, like don't, don't come to me with like, Y'all, y'all sort that out by yourselves. That's y'all's business. All right. <laughs> yeah, I had the same reaction. It was just, it was, it was a lot, you guys. Um, I think we've covered the major, major points of season three. I believe we did. Season three is excellent. Um, I, I'm putting it as solid good. There's so many amazing moments. I mean, I mean, like in episode fourteen, where like Will when like Will is getting indicted and and Alicia rushes down to the courtroom to support her man, AKA Will, although she doesn't say it out loud. <laughs> um, but she, she rushes down and she's like, what can I do? And, um, and then the part where like Wendy Scott Carr asks her, like, are you sleeping with Will? And then she admits it. Yes. And then she walks out of the courtroom. Cause she's like, I'm not doing this shit. Like, fuck you. And she like walks out during like the trial like so much great stuff um uh the blue ribbon panel episode is so good because it's basically about how useless uh chicago pd is and any anybody that writes about how useless chicago pd is is like my hero so (laughs) um, definitely a solid solid good Mm-hmm. Um, I give it a very good as well. I thought the season was excellent. I thought a lot of the themes explored and the the way that a lot of the relationships progressed in this season were very good and um, not forced. And cinematography was great. Writing was great. I'm going to say that a lot of seasons of the show was, were good, with the exception of one that I think might have straddled the line of basic a little bit. But you can go ahead and put that on the record right now my overall grade for this show is very, very good. Um, let's jump into season four, also 22 episodes long. Um, my favorite episodes of this season were episode six, The Art of War, episode 16, Running with the Devil, episode 19, Death of a Client. Um, was that 18 or 19? 
Um, because I've two, I've, I wrote episode nineteen twice. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, I think uh, it's eighteen. Okay, eighteen. Death of a Client. Episode nineteen, the wheels of justice, and episode twenty-two, what's in the box. Um, I have fewer favorites this season, and it's not because there were fewer good episodes, but because this was like the creme de la creme, like the very, very best of a very, very strong season. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, I would say my favorites this season were, oh, yikes, uh, episode five, Waiting for the Knock, episode 10, Battle of the Proxies, episode 14, Red Team, Blue Team, episode 20, Rape, A Modern Perspective, um, and then all the ones you named as well. I also really like them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. This, this show, um, the writing on this show, like, again, race episodes aside, is actually quite good. And even when I think that certain episodes could have been tweaked, I don't feel like they write filler episodes, like they write episodes that they don't care about or that um, the the characters are behaving out of character. So I really love it for that. Same. So the season opens with, you know, in season three, you found out that Clinda has a husband. Um, and we, and Clinda had gotten into some tax issues. So, and because of those tax issues, her husband was able to find out where she was again. Um, I don't like this Kalinda husband plot. I kind of hate it. It feels like the Blake Kalinda plot again. And it's like, why would you give me the same plot that I just told you I didn't like? Right. It was like, for me, it was like the amped up version of that same dynamic. Um, Dynamic, yeah. I didn't like it then. I mean, if we'd never had Blake, it might have been interesting to watch for a little bit. But like... I feel like giving Kalinda a husband and that entire backstory and I cannot fully articulate how, but it kind of watered down her character for me. Hmm. I I definitely think it doesn't add to her character. I think sometimes it feels like they made Kalinda too mercurial for their own good. You know? Yes, yes, like yes, they, yes. Like, they didn't quite... They're like, ooh, she's mysterious. But, like, now it's like, okay. But now when it's time to sort of peel back some of those layers, they realize, oh, we didn't think of her backstory, really. <laughs> like, ooh. Um, right. Uh, there's nothing here. Awkward. So that's what it sort of feels like, um, which is annoying. Now, Kalinda's a character whom, and we talk about this often, how a lot of women characters, especially a lot of women of color characters, are not given ample backstory. But I do feel like Kalinda was well integrated into the current storyline. And as a result, I actually would have been okay with not getting much backstory on her. I would have liked to know something about her upbringing and her parents, but not much more than that. I would have liked the development to be more on Kalinda presently. Um, and bringing this husband from her past into the present and throwing a wrench into the Carrie situation, it, it, it kind of left a, a sour taste in my mouth. Right. And it, 
it's sort of and it's sort of weird because you know Kalinda is bisexual and so far we've we know that there's this you know thing with Carrie but there's also this thing with Lana Delaney um who's an FBI agent what um there's also like a thing with Sophia Russo which was the woman at the state's attorney's office although I will say I don't know why she messes with Lana at all like if your if your idea of like being in love with me was like sicking the the FBI and the IRS onto me, I'd be like absolutely not. Like no. Right. I, I've actually seen this a couple times before, where like someone's dating someone in law enforcement, and they're like, "Listen, I know I narked you out, but that's because I care about you so much." And I'm like, "Is how?" <laughs> like I feel like that's so and and I don't know maybe it's fitting maybe like it makes sense because like she's a white woman so like yeah like maybe it's just like white people are just like oh the police it's fine like right they have they just have different it's just different they're doing different stuff like it's different it's different it's so different it's like I know there are like a lot of like Kalinda Lana stands but I'm like how she literally calls the cops on her. <laughs> like she Listen. like like Kalinda didn't call her back and her inst and like Lana's instinct was to like start a federal investigation on Kalinda in hopes to like put her in jail. Like y'all need to explain that to me, like for real. I feel like that's deeply predatory too. Like, I'll keep your secrets so long as you stay with me. And it's like, listen, no one's obligated to hold your secrets, and no one's obligated um, to be an accomplice, but if I'm not fucking with the shit that you're doing, I'm just going to extract myself out of the situation. I'm not just going to go full narc. Yeah. I, I didn't mess with Lana at all. I want, I, I was definitely team Carrie Kalinda. I mean, their names even sound good together. I really thought that they brought out the best in each other and we know that Alicia was never going to be with her. So it had to be Carrie. Oh, let's talk about Jackie and Christian really quick. <laughs> Oh, listen, I know I say Peter Florek is trash a lot, but that's because it never stops being true. Uh, <laughs> Jackie gets a new boo, but it's it's like real official. This is after Jackie has had a stroke and is recovering from that stroke within this season. And Peter's all here out here like, I don't approve of this man. And I'm like, sir, that is the mother. You are the child. You don't need to approve of shit. You are a grown-ass man. And she held it down for your family while you were incarcerated off some shit that you did. Don't you even think to have an opinion about who Jackie's with. <laughs> right. And, like, he, he... But he always puts Jackie to the side anyway. And then he's always complaining about how Jackie's always up his ass. Well, look, she found somebody. She's gonna... She's gonna keep it... She's gonna finally have her own... She has, like, a man now that she can focus on. You know what I mean? She's gonna right. stop... You're gonna stop... Have, like aren't you happy no and um and like his mom you know the stroke she needs someone who to grow old with your daddy's not in the picture anymore and you didn't care that she was up your ass when she was minding your children because your wife had to get a job because you were in prison you didn't care then you didn't care when she was bringing your children to prison to visit you <laughs> um <laughs> and it's like and in at the end of the season, uh, Peter will like win the election and become governor. But like at the election party, uh, Peter pays Christian twenty five thousand dollars to basically like leave. 
I just want to say that, like, we all need to have the energy that Christian has. Because, like, Christian is like, oh, yeah, girl, like, I cashed that check, but I'm staying. I'm staying. And you. And you. (laughs) Because. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Because, like, in movies, you know, whenever that plot happens of, like, I'll pay you all this money to, like, go away. Um, usually like the, the poor person is like, no, I don't need the, like rip up the check or whatever and be like, I don't need your money. Christian is like, oh no, I, I cashed the check. Like that's, me. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. Like that is absolutely me. When I heard that he cashed that check, I was like, praise, praise. Like, we finally found a real one because he, cause it's one thing to be in love and want to be with somebody. But if you've never if you've ever been poor or hell, if you've just never been rich, you know exactly how much money twenty five thousand dollars is. Right. And I will um, cash it too. And he's like, "Oh no, I'm staying, but like I cashed that check. Thank you." <laughs> right. And who are you gonna tell? You can't tell nobody, can you? <laughs> right. Can't tell no, but no, nobody. You know, season four by this time. Will and Alicia aren't, you know, doing their thing, but they're thinking about it. So they're thinking about it. All they do is think about it. He thinks about it. She thinks about it. There's lots of episodes where we get like, not like, like, like technically they're flashbacks, um, but they're very specific. So this is another thing that like, I really like about The Good Wife um, and that I think The Good Wife does really well is that it has, is that it understands how memory works and how memory is. So whenever we get these little flashbacks, Besides death of a client, which like the whole episode is like essentially a flashback. Um, But when we get these little flashbacks or like Alicia sort of um, having these like fever dreams about like Will and whatnot, uh, the flashbacks are very short. They're like five seconds at the most. Um, And they're usually and they're just that they're like a flash of a memory you see, you see the character, you see the character's reaction, and then it cuts to this this flash, this thing of a memory, and then it comes back to the character, and you can like, sort of see their reaction and and see them move from from the reaction into uh, whatever's happening uh, presently in the scene, and I I love that because I think it's. Because like I said, I think that's how memory works. And there's something very beautiful and very evocative about the use of it and like that particular device. And it's something that um, Good Wife does really well. Right. I agree with that. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't see. I didn't really think about it through through to that extent. But I absolutely agree with everything that you just said. Um I think it's kind of cool too because for me, I when I watch it, I kind of saw them as not necessarily having these flashbacks, but sort of being haunted by each other. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it was giving me a lot of Kathy and Heathcliff energy. Um, if you guys have ever read or watched the movie Wuthering Heights, where the reasons they can't be together are completely of their own making, and um, you know, but the presence of the other person is always there. Um, whether physically or just in your mind, um, Alicia really, really, really wants to um, to to be with Will, and Will really wants to be with Alicia. And there are reasons I feel from start to finish, um, from the beginning of the series to the end, or um, at least to the the 
the end, the end that we're going to talk about on our next episode, I feel are largely bullshit. Things that could be handled with a lawyer and a signature real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> so, um, another thing that happens is, okay. So in episode 19, uh, we find out that, um, like we said, Peter's running for governor and Peter reaches out to Diane to ask her to um, be that should he win. Uh, and Peter tells Diane that should he win uh, the governorship, he's going to call on her to be um, a Supreme Court justice uh, of Illinois. Um, he, he's ready to appoint her. Um, there is an amazing scene where Kalinda is like investigating Diane <laughs> and, uh, we find out that Diane's housekeeper is writing, uh, vampire, the vampire diaries fan fiction on Diane's computer. It's funny. Watch it. <laughs> Listen, I think, I think, I think this show honestly started the Wattpad movement, but okay. Oh, <laughs> like that's just like a secret that I have. <laughs> Um, because Wattpad was when when the the teens and the thirty somethings decided that they were gonna be writers, um, and make and and like actually make fan fiction publishable works. Because of the Good Wife, we got such notables as The Last Summer and After. <laughs> oh God! <I> hate it. <laughs> oh no. Um, the all jokes aside, Peter does win his campaign and become governor because terrible decision-making skills in Illinois. Right. And Alicia is back with him despite her feelings for Will. Um, and, um, you know, um, Alicia is made partner. Um, and Carrie starts his own firm with the other fourth years. And because she literally cannot handle being around Will because she wants him so badly... Alicia decides to leave Lockhart Gardner and join Carrie's firm. Yes. And it's literally, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> we really have to talk about how bananas it is because, <laughs> um, cause essentially like the episode right before, you know, Alicia's having like, because during uh, episode 14, so def yeah, during episode 14, red team, blue team, um, you know, Alicia's in Alicia and Carrie are sort of in this beef with Will and Diane because of, you know, these partnerships and they were offered these partnerships. And then um now the the other partners are putting a hold on the partnerships, which is like a big, you know, bait and switch and, and fuck you and and so Alicia and Will, you know, get into an argument and, um, and Will is like, listen, if you have something you got to say, like, if you're upset, like, don't, you know, do it in front of clients. Like, you know, you come to me, you talk to me and, you know, they get into this fight and he's like, why are you acting like you're the injured party? And she's like, cause I am, I am the injured party. And like, they get, it's really emotional. And like I said, everything in the Will and Alicia relationship is like everything that is like their work is personal and everything that's personal is their work. So of course he, he like kisses her and like she kisses him back that causes, you know, these feelings that she thought 
she put away. She didn't put them away. She thought she put them away um, to resurface. And she's having like, and in episode 21, she's like having like these intense fever dreams about Will. And um, we meet uh, Alicia's brother way earlier, but uh, her brother is in this episode. And, and he's like, well, you know, your your head your head and your body are trying to tell you something, right? And Alicia's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm gonna get recommitted to Peter. <laughs> and it's like, oh, honey. And basically, so then basically, when Peter wins, Alicia's sitting in the the hotel room again, and she, somebody walks by, and she thinks it's Will, and she almost gets up and runs to him, and then she realizes it's not Will. And that's when she goes to meet Carrie. And this this woman really did make a whole decision to start her whole, a whole law firm and go to start a law firm off of nothing other than she needed to put distance between her and Will. That's it. That's the reason. Right. Like... Like, and this is why I don't think she even thought that she had gotten past it. Like, our girl Alicia Florick is the wasp queen of denial. <laughs> she really is. She's like, living like, in straight up delusions, you guys. <laughs> delusions. Like, the she has, like, the deepest Libra energy. She thinks that, like, if she just, like, puts a pretty face on it, that, like, what's really actually happening won't be happening. And it's like, oh no, honey, that's, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And it's like, I'm I'm going to be recommitted to Peter. I'm like, recommitted to what, sis? For what? For what? For what? <laughs> and, and, um, and I think she, I think she just thinks in her mind, like, and that's the thing. I don't think she realizes that she had checked out of that relationship with her and Peter so long ago. Like her mentally, she's been so checked out for so long. And yeah, she has. And I think I think everybody around her knew that, right? Even Jackie could see that. Right. And I think and that's and that's what's so I think interesting about even like the Will and Alicia relationship and all of this stuff, because like the thing of it is, like, everybody knows. Like, everybody knows. Everybody's been knowing since, like, second season. Like, Diane knows. Carrie Carrie knows. Kalinda knows. Her mom knows. Owen knows. Grace knows. Because there's, like, a conversation. There's an episode where, like, Grace, like, catches a conversation about, like, her and Peter fighting about Will in the house. Mm-hmm. And Grace sort of just, like, puts it together. Like, everybody knows. So, like, Alicia, like, what's the point? Like, who do you think you're out here fooling? Right. And I think that's, like, the 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 prevailing question when it comes to Alicia. Who do you think you're fooling? You, you want to put on this display of this happy, together, centered family that had its rocky patches, but is stronger than ever. But literally no one believes that, including you. Right. So like, what's like, like you're just working yourself up to be in this marriage that like, that like no one even believes you're in. Like what's, what's going on? Like no one believes it except, I mean, so then I guess it's like a thing of like, I guess, what is she, what is she shook about? Like, is she shook about, the fact that like she is like technically like in the public eye 
and like it's because I guess there is a difference between like people in your circle knowing and then like the world knowing but then it's like uh, is it really I don't know yeah yeah, I think that's all it is. Um, I mean, I got a lot of energy from Alicia. I think that Alicia is one of those people who feels like struggle and the the willingness to struggle makes you a better person. But like, sis, no one's coming to give you a gold star. Um, I also got the energy that like she felt some type of obligation because of her children, because she is that wasp stay-at-home mom in her heart always. And Them I also kids got, is grown. They are. They're 13 and 14 in season one. Come on now, sis. Get it together. Um, and I also got the energy um, from her that, like, she wasn't trying to start over. Like, it wasn't the risk aspect. There is no risk with Will. Will loves her more than Peter ever will. Um, but the the aspect of divorcing Peter, being with Will integrating this new family but i'm like alicia you had to do that anyway when peter went to jail um through no desire of your own your family dynamic did change um so what's the harm in doing it again this time of your own accord right um and it's sad because like i mean to talk about this in season three and and it's like i don't know if she thinks like will wouldn't be on board but like he would be because it's it's really like <laughs> upsetting to watch will like ask her like oh like should i meet your kids and he's trying to like be like i should meet your kids because like you know (laughs) i know how important your children are to you and like if i meet your kids then like this essentially this is real right and her Mm -hmm. being like oh no 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 like no (laughs) and then him being super crushed right right and so many then, times he's tried to tease that out, right? Like, I, I want I want something serious long-term with you. Right. And she's like, uh, and then she's like, no, it's not serious and it's not long-term. And then even she says that to Owen. She's like, I just didn't think it was going anywhere. And then Owen's like, so you cut it off before it could actually go somewhere? Because you didn't think it was going to go somewhere? Like, how does that make sense? Right. And like, even the recent she gives are absolute garbage. Um, obviously Eli gold and the deleted voicemail played a major hand in all of this, but, um, a lot of Alicia's reasons are her own making and her own desire to make something that's not work working work. Yeah. Alicia is kind of like a really sad character in that respect because the audience always wants better for her than she wants for herself. Season four ends, Peter wins this governorship, and he wins this governorship by fraudulent votes that Will fixes for him, because Will is Will, and Will is, like, long-suffering, that poor, poor man. Um, I want better for Will, too. I want him to love himself. Uh, <laughs> he is lo- he's, just, he's, like, longing and long-suffering. They're uh, a box of votes, and, and they sort of and they fix it and uh will finds evidence that the votes are were fraudulent um but he doesn't he only tells peter peter says like well why didn't you tell alicia and you know will is just like i don't want to hurt her earlier uh in the yeah in the night before like the polls opened or whatever they had another like sort of passionate like we need to be with each other type drama kiss 
So it's a lot. It's a lot of drama with those kids, and and that's what that is, and that's season four. But um, if you had to give season four a grade, um, what 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 is it? Season four is also very good. Um, like I said, seasons two and three will always be my favorite. But this came really close. Like grading the show was actually exceptionally hard because it's so good. Yeah, season four is good. Season four was I feel. Um, on brand for the show and in step with all of the characters and whom they've been, you know, who they've, they've matriculated into um, the people I thought they would be. And they've evolved the way that I thought they would evolve. Season four is great. We have Alicia's mom who we meet, who is excellent. I love all this stuff with Eli is being investigated by uh, the justice department and all of that stuff with uh, Carrie Preston's character Elsbeth Tassioni is is great. She's so fun. Rape a Modern Perspective was like a really good episode. I love that we see Carrie sort of coming into his like Logan Stees. He's definitely I like seeing the Carrie character like progress and realizing that like Lockhart Gardner is like not it for him and that he sort of doesn't deserve to be treated this way because Carrie really um does keep getting the shaft. <laughs> Lockhart Gardner um and that's present in this season as well um I also love the episode uh je ne sais what and then it's Mm -hmm. also the episode where um they address something I think in the previous seasons about like white privilege and the fact that like Carrie was you know promoted to deputy state's attorney to to yeah to deputy um state's attorney uh in less than a year, even though Geneva and Matan had been working there for like 10 years uh, and had way more seniority than him. And I thought the show, that was like one thing that I thought the show did well in regards to race. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a good for me. It's a solid good. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I definitely like to see Carrie, I think Carrie's maturation in season four was definitely my favorite bit. He was giving me some like Harvey from Suits energy a little bit, and I liked it. Um, <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, um, his new confidence was definitely um, very attractive, um, very compelling to watch. I think, honestly, everything except the Kalinda's husband storyline really did it for me in season four. Same. I I feel the same way. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the first half of The Good Wife good, bad, basic, and absolutely captivating. If you'd like to check out the series, The Good Wife is currently streaming on Hulu. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you're a GBB patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out our Good Wife Spotify playlist. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be wrapping up our discussion on The Good Wife and discussing seasons five through seven. The episode goes live next Thursday. In the meantime, Alex and I have another On The Lot episode ready for our top tier patrons. And this time, we'll be going On The Lot with a writer and story editor of BET's adult comedy Boomerang, Ladarian Smith. We'll be sitting down with Ladarian and chatting about his career thus far, his experiences in the writer's room, and his goals for the future as a television writer. The episode goes live this Saturday.
Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at Good Bad Basic Pod on Twitter and Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.